Hey, hey, glad you're here. So have you had any of those lump throat moments in the first two episodes of The Chosen? Oh, hey, I, if you're new with us, I may, I may need to make a suggestion. You might want to pause the live stream right here and go to the App Store and watch the first two episodes of The Chosen. Go to the App Store and just download The Chosen. It's a free app. Watch the first two episodes because I'm, I'm going to give some spoiler alerts. All right. That first episode when Lilith, remember, goes out of the bar and a stranger to her from behind calls her by her real name, Mary, tells her that she has nothing to fear, that he formed her, that he redeemed her, that she has a place where she belongs and identity. This stranger was Jesus and he says, you are mine. That's our story, isn't it? Jesus has found each one of us, claimed us as his own. And what about in the second episode when Mary was trying to explain what happened to her to Nicodemus? And she said, I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him so I will know him for the rest of my life that too is our story and now this woman who has suffered with seven demonic spirits for the first time in years is hosting her own Sabbath supper her own Shabbat and it's nothing elaborate nothing fancy she's nervous about remembering what goes where and what to say next and just before she begins her humble remembrance meal with a few friends, there's a knock at the door. And the one who called her by name and claimed her as his own now stands right outside her door wanting to come in. Mm, that was a moment, wasn't it? Again, I mean, this is our story. We, the sinful, unholy people, are approached by the sinless holy God and he humbly asks to join us I mean the eternal creator asks to come in well episode 3 doesn't disappoint either I was struck with the dual nature of God I've wrestled with this before I did, you know he wasn't half man half God he was he was all man he was all God and that the Almighty God would even agree to become a human being for our benefit is alone reason to worship him for eternity. But the humanity of God, I, I don't know, it just hit me. I found him even more inviting. Jesus camping out in the wilderness, building a fire, carving some objects, cooking his food over that fire, cleaning his teeth, washing his face. Just imagining God camping took me to a, a really cool place. <laughs> and then watching God with children. Oh, man. Watching their apprehension soon give way to full-blown confidence and comfort. 
It was like, in a way, like observing again the scene at the Garden of Eden with the innocence of humanity. And there the children were learning from the Father. Jesus had them join him in his work and he told them stories and he taught them how to pray and he told them about justice and mercy and, and life. It was, it was a picture of people walking with God. And then in one of the conversations, one of the little girls who's trying to figure out who Jesus is, she just, she just boldface asks, what is your reason for being here? And Jesus tells her, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's a lot that we hoped Jesus would be. Jesus comes looking for those who are imperfect, he comes looking for the hurting, the, the, the struggling, the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed. It's almost as though Jesus says, okay, this is my, my target. I'm, I'm going for the outcast, the grieving, the afflicted, the desperate, the, the underprivileged. One time Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need the doctor, but a sick. And I, I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Again, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus, Jesus came for the weak, both physically and spiritually. In fact, Jesus would explain that people who fail to realize their own spiritual poverty, their own spiritual destitution, that those people will be unable to follow him, let alone find rest in him. It's for those of us who, who know and admit that we do not have it all together. To those people, Jesus comes knocking, asking if he might come in. I keep shaking my head because it just seems like this is just too good to be true. You can see the heart of God in this word that he gave Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61, where Jesus answered the little girl in this second episode. Those, those first six verses describe a lot of, of where God is, what his, heart, what, what his heart is. God wants the poor to have some good news, and he wants the prisoners to be granted freedom. He wants the blind to receive sight. He wants the oppressed to be released, the unfavored to receive the favor of the Lord the grieving to be comforted, the, the sick to replace their ashes of affliction with beauty. God wants the hurting to receive gladness and joy, the, the desperate to be given garments of praise, clothes of praise. Jesus is coming for us. He wants what's wrong with us to be replaced with what's right for us. In a word, Jesus. He... he he wants to be a part of us. He sees our condition and, and he knows our plight and he wants us to know that the enemy's been defeated and freedom is on the way. So there's a story about a Glasgow professor and a Scottish chaplain that 
ended up in the same airplane together during World War II and flown behind enemy lines and then they were dropped in there with a mission. Well, the mission failed and they were taken captive and thrown into prison, a prison camp. A high wire fence separated the prisoners and these two that knew one another were separated from each other. Every day they would meet at one designated area at the fence and exchange a word of greeting and encouragement. One side of the fence was largely American prisoners, the other was British. Well, the, the Glasgow professor was on the American side and he explained that the Americans were able to make some small homemade radio that was able to receive messages from outside without the Nazi guards knowing. Kind of a Hogan's hero thing. Well, every day the Glasgow professor would take a headline or two to the fence and share it with the chaplain and they would speak in the ancient uh, Gaelic language, uh, indecipherable to the Nazi soldiers. One day news came over that little radio that the Nazi high command had surrendered and that the war was over. So the professor took the good news to the chaplain and, and, and then he stood and watched as the chaplain hurried over to his barracks and he waited and soon this huge roar of celebration broke out on that other side of the camp. Life in the prison camp was immediately transformed. I mean, the prisoners were walking around and they were singing and they were shouting and they were laughing. When the Nazi guards finally heard the news three nights later, why they would sneak out in the dead of night and they left the gates open only for the prisoners to awaken the next morning with no guard in sight. And they went to the gates and looked and pushed them and they were free. Well, technically they were free three days before. For three days they continued to live as poor prisoners under oppression and captivity, but their spirit and their soul had been set free from the news that they had heard. This good news brought them joy and they no longer saw themselves as desperate captors because they knew something wonderful was soon to come. Listen, only God, your maker and father can turn your mourning to dancing. Only he can give beauty for ashes can turn shame into glory. Our freedom has been won. It's already been accomplished, but it hasn't yet been fully actualized. It, the war is over. The news just hasn't reached everywhere yet, but the victory, the victory has been declared in Christ and his resurrection. There really is nothing like Jesus. There's nothing better than him.